It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name is James True Penny. This is my show, and today we are looking at Gaiaism or the philosophy of Gaia. And to join me is a new voice in our Gaia watching, is Mr. John Dinsdale. How are you, sir? Um, no, um, this is the second review. Put me on Gaia, actually. Oh yes, it is because we watched the Gaia pay per view a few weeks ago. But I, I have give, I have sent you on a Gaia deep dive this weekend. Have I not? Uh, yeah, I think I'm about six hours into Gaiaism now. <laughs> With the documentary and every match on here. Yes. So I should explain. I thought this weekend we should get back to the beginner's guide to Japanese professional wrestling as we have want to do, as we are on Coronavirus Special Week 6, um, to keep you on lockdown, uh, fully entertained, to give you things to watch uh, that you can find anywhere on the internet for free, because that's the important thing when we're trying to do these things. Um, and coincidentally, around about this time, about a month ago, it, it, this is the 25th anniversary this week of Gaia being founded as a promotion. So what happened was Sendai Girls and Marvelous, which are obviously home of Mako Satomura and Chigasa Nagayo, perhaps the two most important women in Gaia history, um, they announced a show to reform Gaia for one night only, and they were going to call the show Gaiaism, and they were going to use people from Sendai Girls, uh, Takuma Hiroha from Marvelous, obviously Chigasa Nagayo as the founder of Marvelous and of, uh, and of Gaia to put a show together. And to promote the show... They went back in time and they went back and found the rights to a bunch of Gaia matches that appeared on, um, I think it was Gaioria TV. They were on back in the night, in the early to late nineties and early two thousands, and they've released a bunch of these matches, which are the most historically important matches in Gaia history, or some of the most historically important matches in Gaia history. So myself and John have been looking at them. Now you got a primer yesterday. Now, we've looked at the Gaia Girls documentary many times on the Trooper Show before, especially in the uh, Mako Satomura special we did a couple of years ago to coincide with her WWE debut for the Mae Young Classic. And I would like, as we've listened, we can't go through the whole film, but what were your impressions of Gaia? Now, you've watched the 2002 pay-per-view that we saw, and you've watched the Gaia Girls film. What are your impressions of Gaia Girls? And if I dare say, what do you think the philosophy of Gaiaism is? Well, the philosophy seems to be if you get hit hard, you hit twice as hard back, you don't give up and if you are going to give up, just just don't bother showing up. That place looks <laughs> very, very, very demanding. I think I it, sent you a few messages at certain points, just like, how does anyone pass this? Yeah, this, this is the thing. This is like, Chigo Sonagayo, me and Chelsea discussed this. And we do, we are concerned for her mental health a lot of the time, just because watching this film, she's clearly employing abusive practices through a lot of this film. There's no getting away from it. And as Chelsea said, we can't celebrate the good stuff without recognizing the bad stuff too. And Gaia Girls is a kind of a, a documentary of how does the matriarchy compete with the patriarchy without being as brutal as the patriarchy itself? which is a bit deep psychologically and philosophically, but it's true. You know, there is a need to prove yourself way above and beyond 
the call of duty of a professional wrestler in in that film and certainly that philosophy was drilled into the dojo of Gaia I don't think it's as intense these days in Sendai Girls I know a lot of people who've gone through the Sendai Girls system I know I've talked to people who've gone through the Sendai Girls system who are not feeling the pressure that those wrestlers were in that particular time period and Having thought about this a lot recently, um, we talk about like the golden era of Joshi in the mid 1990s when, you know, Manami Toyota, Akira Hokuto, Aja Kong, Bull Nakano, all these people were the best wrestlers who ever lived. And people like Suzuki Manami, who are legendary standards of professional wrestler, couldn't get anywhere because they just weren't good enough. You know, Combat Toyota, Megumi Kudo were not good enough two of the best professional wrestlers I ever saw aren't good enough for that promotion. And I think Chigasaw Nagayo was trying to fast track that kind of pressure cooker. Do you see what I mean, John? Yeah, that, yeah. that seems very evident throughout the whole documentary. And the result of that is what you see in this video. Now, if you put Gaiaism into YouTube, you will find a bunch of videos. And we're going to start with the earliest ones, and we're going to go from there. And I think the first one is really important. There is a bunch of promos. This Takuma Roha and uh, Chigasaw Nagaya make us out more recording promos about the show, obviously, as you would think. The first one is from 1995. It's four minutes and it's two matches, actually, back to back. It is uh, the debuts of Toshiyu Matsu um, and also the uh, debut of Chikayo Nagashima both of whom become massively influential in the Gaia story. And it's really important to uh, the way professional wrestling works about how these two uh, developed as professional wrestlers. And what the terrifying thing is, within less than 18 months of them making their debut in Currican Hall, this packed Currican Hall that I'm looking at right now, they would be on Monday Nitro in WCW as fully-fledged, fully-formed characters in Eric Bischoff's rolling wrestling show, which is actually really remarkable. But they both show signs of absolute stellar performance in this. Um, Nagashima was actually an amateur champion. She was a Japanese girls amateur wrestling champion, so she was incredibly athletic. Iwamatsu had superstar written on her. Even at this point, they both knew very much what they were doing. John, what were your thoughts on this opening match? This was very much the sort of showcase for the Gaia style of wrestling, I find. Because I watched the documentary and then I, I dived straight into this match. And you see the parallels between their um, training and what they do in this match. It sort of plays out like um, a graduation ceremony almost of showing what they've learned through the, the Gaia Dojo system. And I'm not sure if that's intentional or not, but it's definitely damn impressive. It is, because it's like Nagashima's an amateur wrestler. She's a shooter. She is double tough. She's really hard. <laughs> There's no two ways of getting about it. And Iwamatsu knew what she was doing as far as putting a professional wrestling match together from a very early age. You can, she's she's going to be a ring general. She knows what she's talking about. She knows how to kind of lay a match together. And it's very layered. It's actually really complex for two rookies. They're not doing, you know, shooting star presses or anything like that. It's all map-based. It's all very between the ropes. There's a bit of rope running, but it's submissions, and it's pretty complex submissions, and it's 
rolling cradles and pretty much straight up chain wrestling with a lot of strikes. What's your thought? What what did you think of like that style that these two purvey? They were very damn good at it. And sometimes I don't mind seeing that sort of wrestling. There's always a place for it. It's like, especially if they're rookies, it's good to see them showing that they've got a base, like fundamental level of like mat wrestling, technical wrestling, and putting on in a suspenseful match without flying everywhere. I also found interesting, the finish was really interesting as well, because they went 15 minutes and went to a time limit draw. And then they gave them five more minutes and they couldn't get a just winner off from that. So they gave them two more minutes and they still couldn't get a winner after that, which I thought was a really nice way of letting them play out the what they were doing in the match. Does that make sense? Yeah. I kind of forgot that happened, actually. Yeah, it was very chain and smooth and stuff, but it was, they were you know, they were, they were like, we've got to have a winner. You know, two rookies, we can't we can't have somebody like, you know, we've got to prove that one's better than the other. But it meant that obviously neither of them got crushed early on. You know, I, I thought one of the things I think about the New Japan Young Boys kind of win-loss records, they lose all the time. But when they're wrestling each other, it becomes much more important. But equally, when Dave Finley and Jay White were Young Boys, Dave Finley won all the time. Now, Dave Finley's become a great wrestler and is a main event level star in New Japan now, but it wasn't that way for a long while, was it? Jay was the man when he came back from Excursion, and David never went away for Excursion. (laughs) 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 He stayed there. So there was like the the young boy versions of Jay White and Dave Finley have no connections to the current Jay White and Dave Finley, if that makes sense. Whereas with this, there's much more of a connection between what's going on in this match and where, where you think they you want them to end up. It feels much more important. If that makes sense. I don't think I can say it any better. Thank you very much. Also on that match, because it's a, it's a twofer, that one's a twofer video, you get Sonoki Kato making her debut against Mako Satomura, who's also debuting as well. And that's completely different because it's a, it's a big it and out match. They thrash one another and they belt each other really hard. I mean, it's like it's over in four minutes, basically because they have no energy left. <laughs> yeah. Samura just sort of trapped an arm and is like, right, this is it, we're done. Yeah, it is just like as many arm bars as Mako Satamura can apply in a shorter period of time as she possibly can. She's having it. This she will not be denied. And the greatest professional wrestler in the world today, celebrating 25 years of professional wrestling this Thursday. 25 years ago to the day, she wrestled Sonoki Kato, and you could tell she was going to be a superstar from that very moment onwards. When we looked, last looked at this match, Chelsea said, when you watch somebody debut as a wrestler, you don't expect three, four, five, ten years down the line to be the, to be the same. But with Mako Satomura from this very first match, everything is there. She does it better now. She's smoother now. She has more moves now. But the core essence of what makes Red Dawn Mako Satomura is in this match. And I don't think you can say that about any other wrestler. No, don't think you can. No, that's... Absolutely true, and still stands up now. Even though I, now I think about it even more, Chelsea was so right at the time. But yeah, and Kato, we of course we stress on Satomura because she's the greatest wrestler in the world. But you know, Sonora Kato, Sonora Kato was perfect in this particular match, wasn't she? She was just just right, just what was needed. Yeah, definitely. You sort of had the 
She was a perfect foil for Satomura. Exactly. All right, then. We'll move on to the next match, which had Sugar Sato versus... Who was the other person, John? Because I can't remember. <laughs> um, to Google. This was one of the ones I didn't see, so let's... Uh, I really wish they'd space certain things out a bit better. Right, into Google... Oh, was it? Was it Sakura Hirata? There you go. Oh, I missed a Hirata match. You missed the Hirata match. You love Sakura Hirata. In fact, it was Sakura Hirata's debut match you missed. Oh. Now I remember. Yes, Sugar Sato, who I don't really, th- I can't really think. Oh no, it wasn't. It was Akira Hokuto. Oh yeah, because obviously the person you want in your first match ever is Akira Hokuto, the Dangerous Queen. <laughs> one of the most violent professional wrestlers of all time and Sakura Hirata kicks off her match which well, she's losing obviously <laughs> yeah. let's be honest but she kicks off a match by attacking by attacking Hokuto before the bell and Hokuto and Hokuto just looks at her like what the hell are you doing <laughs> um, and actually you forget that Sakura Hirata actually has got lots of chops. I mean, we see her today and she's a brilliant, brilliant comedy wrestler. But back then, she was lightning quick. She had really good submission maneuvers. She was a proper chain wrestler. Yes, I'm just watching it as now as we're talking. Yes, she jumps Hokuto to start with, starts laying in forearms, and Hokuto is smiling, like, and sells her back a little bit, and then just kicks her in the face. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, it's brilliant. I just I could commentate this whole match just just for your for your endeavors. Hokuto's got her in the corner now. She's kicking her in the head, and she's got her by the hair. Now she's going to do a hair beal, and Hokuto's going to land just about in the first row. Oh my god! Yes. I've just brought. I've just put the match on myself here. Just I've got to see this now. Um, I'm about halfway through now. So Hokuto's in the corner. And she's laying in the boots, really heavy. It's really hard. And she's standing on her on Hirata's uh, throat. So she's got her in the armpit. Hirata is screaming. Um, yeah. We well, have a word about presentation here, by the way. You notice that all of the wrestlers wear blue tape if they're in the blue corner, and they wear red tape if they're in the red corner. Oh, good. I've just noticed. Yeah. Very nice presentation. I feel it's like it makes things more men. Look at that hair bill. Oof. God, so, she's launched her. Yes. <laughs> and now uh, Hokuto is just saying, come on, let's have you. Hirata's laying in clotheslines and Hokuto stood there like she's Flat. waiting for a lottery ticket. <laughs> oh, I think I've caught up to you here. Yep. Just dragging yeah. it. And now we are going for the Northern Lights bomb. She's holding her there. She's making her think yep. about yep. it. Slam. Oh, just a body slam. She hasn't. She, she She's not worthy of the Northern Lights bomb. I'm not going to use my finisher on her. This is below her. Oh, yes. Now I remember what happened. So, Hirota's going to stand up. And then Akira Hokuto is going to... Oh, she missed the splash. No, there was something else I forgot about. So, Hirota's uh, now going in for the drop kicks. There Trying you go. To. <laughs> not got a lot of height with them. Because she's, she's drop kicking her stomach. I've never seen that before. That's oh, not that's a bad idea, idea actually. Hokuto bent down for her so she could drop kick her in the face. <laughs> um, but yeah, 
Harata is now going off the ropes. Oh, ah, uh, I'm got a boot to the face for a trouble. And I think scientific match is finished, and now the ass whooping will continue. Um, you know, plucky game girl to try that with Akira Okuto. They did push uh, Harata as like a absolute underdog babyface for a long time. Oh, going oh. for the backslide. You got a two. Not Can you imagine if she'd actually pinned Hokuto on a backslide? Hokuto would have just murdered her. Small I package. Mean, if you push someone as an underdog babyface, then by yeah. all means, that's that's the best way to do it. <laughs> Hokuto just sat there going like, what are you trying to do? <laughs> Off the ropes and going for a backdrop. Yeah. No. <laughs> Good one slap to the chest. Now Hokuto is going to go for to the top rope. Hirota is, is on the floor. She's waiting for her to come up. She's getting the crowd to clap along. And here we go. And no, no, Hirota's still not up yet. Still oh. not up yet. And there we go. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the most violent shotgun drop kick you have ever seen in your life. It holded Hirota like a deck of cards. And that was uh, Hirota's debut, which may be the reason why she is the way she is now. <laughs> <laughs> She's got kicked that hard. She's basically comedy now. Yes, that's it. They they knocked Akira Hokuto knocked the serious wrestler out of her on her debut. She's she's not had a serious bone in her body ever since. So then we move on to the next matchup, which was a main event featuring the AAAAW Heavyweight Championship. I will point out at this point. Right now, in all Japan women, the championship was the World Rides Women's Wrestling Association, which was founded by Mildred Burke in the late 1960s once she got kicked out of the NWA. Okay, and she sold the license to all Japan women. So when Chigasaw Nagaya was looking for a championship in body to support her group, she called it the AAAW. Cleverer. It's a nice player. Okay, she's wrestling, I think, Devil Masami, who was the inaugural champion um, for the championship belt. Now, this is the edited highlights. And these two had had a barnstormer at Dream Slam 1 some three or four years earlier. And I think Masami had probably lost a little bit off her fastball at this point. What did you think of this one, John? Um, This was one of the few where I sort of had to skip through it a little bit just for time constraints. But... From what I saw, it was it was still a good match, but I must admit, from the match you've described to me that happened beforehand, yeah, bit of a bit of a dip. Yeah, I mean, this is it's still great. Don't get me wrong. It's Chigasaw Nagayo and Devil Masami, the two of the best female wrestlers who ever lived, and you know, uh, Chigasaw Nagayo was in an absolute heat baby face point. Once you come back, this is 96. The company's been going for a year. She's already gone to JWP and AJW, did some guest performances. They've got major heat. And Nagayo is back to being the number one draw in Joshi again. And it's giving the company an incredible boost. But this one, it's, and it's still a fantastic matchup, but it's still not quite where it should be. At this point, Devil Masami was also wrestling for JWP. They were doing a lot of inter-talent promotions, uh, promotional stuff at the time because that's how you got interest in Joshi to make those big money matches. And 
what do you think of the crowds in jo- in Gaia Joshi? Because they do seem very much different to other Joshi promotions and other Japanese wrestling promotions. They're a hell of a lot bigger than a lot of the um, audiences I've seen from this time period. And um, yeah, I, they feel invested. Sometimes it's easy to look at crowds and they'll be distracted, they'll be chatting to each other, they'll be, I suppose not in this point, they won't be on their phones, but you know when you can tell like people are just invested, they want to see what's going to happen? Yeah. That's what I get from this. Yeah, it, they're very much... I think there was a stress... Le- there was quite involved storylines with Gaia, and it was very much entertainment wrestling-based, but they're just the pure wrestling was just that good. You didn't need it. All of these videos on this particular YouTube channel, they were all, like... You can watch them individually as wrestling matches and be thoroughly entertained without having to know what the background was. Does that make sense? Yeah, because that's what I've done with most. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can understand, like... The next one we're looking at is Mako Satomura versus Toshi Uemetsu in a tournament, the 600-speed tournament, which was in 1998. Uh, this was kind of like for the smaller wrestlers. Both of them have been in North America. They've been to WCW by this point. And it's just hell for leather wrestling from both from everyone in these matches. There's a four-person tournament. The first one is Uematsu versus Satomura. Um and it's just it's just intense. They're battering one another. And it's like, run the ropes, run the ropes, big hits, run the ropes, big hits, run the ropes. You know, and like Satomura's just got a grovet onto you, Matsu, and she's hanging on for dear life. This is proper wrestling. What did you think of this one, John? We could see how far both women had come from 1995. And yeah, just Uematsu went went mental in this. I loved it. Just <laughs> continuously battering back. And then the fact that she didn't really get knocked out or anything either. She lost via a roll-up. It was really nice way to sort of be like, yep, you tried. You nearly knocked Satomura out on several occasions. She just got the better of you. I did like the fact that, you know, Satomura is no longer wearing the red arena, rim, red arena swimsuit, which all rookies... Uh, war in their specific colours and the first thing she's done is put flames on her outfit (laughs) (laughs) it was the 90s I'm more dangerous now than I've ever been, which is true, she was and just the number of armbar variations, This I'm just watching it now and this is the first time I ever saw this I saw her do it to Keirito as well doing a straight armbar off the top rope a rolling armbar, starting on the top rope and rolling it to the floor just insane God, I forgot about that. She just oh. like, yeah, she used to do it on a regular basis. She used to just pull it out. That was that was her like standard move into submissions to try and weaken the arm, and yeah, just brutal. And then Death Valley drivers just like she's trying to nail a coffin shot with them. They are so deep and they are so crisp. And again, just like floating float over arm bars. It's just it's insane what Satamore is doing. She you hasn't pulled out back. Sorry? She doesn't hold anything back. No, she hasn't got that main event presence yet, but she's so innovative, she's developing everything so quickly, everything is so together. You can see that really well in that matchup. Anything else you'd like to say about that? I was just amazed it went under five minutes, to be honest. The way, <laughs> and again, the way both of them were going at it, I'm not surprised. <laughs> 
And then the semi-final, the other semi-final was Sugar Sato versus uh, Hirota, Sakura Hirota. And Hirota's in full-on shoot mode. She ain't mucking about. She's here to have a wrestling match. And she's bending Sugar Sato like a pretzel. She's got a boss, full Boston, deep Boston crab on her right in from the opening bell. It's just really, you don't know what, you don't watch Hirota wrestle like this ever these days. She just doesn't do this stuff anymore. She's usually running from Iger. Yes, she is. <laughs> but yeah, and she's like, it just shows you how good she was using in a reverse Indian deathlock to get into a side surfboard. Who does that? <laughs> it's a very yeah. unique thing to do. She's a unique wrestler, really, in so many ways. And I find, you know what the most unique thing I find about her? I don't quite understand here. She's 19 years old and she looks younger now, 22 years later, and she's had a couple of kids. <laughs> the Benjamin Ex- Button effect? Possibly, you know. I, mean, I think she's draining the youth from other wrestlers. <laughs> Admittedly, she doesn't do much anymore in a wrestling way. But at this particular point, she's a badass. And they're all badasses in Gaia. And Sugar Sato as well, just live- delivering Yakuza kicks from one side of the ring to the other. It's just mental watching this match up and watching how good these two are with each other. I can't agree more, to be honest. Both got big smiles on their faces when they're on top as well. <laughs> now, as this tournament, we probably shouldn't tell you the results of those those two matches um, because, you know, you might want to see the actual result for yourself. There is a third match, obviously. Those two matches last seven and six minutes and then the final last minute last 9.13. But we'll not watch the final. We'll not mention the final because if you want a surprise, you'll have to watch the thing. Shall we do it that way? Is that fair? Yeah, don't mind. Okay. Oh, hang on. I was trying to think, actually, because I'm going back to this this one. So the next match is Mako Satomura, I believe, versus Kyoko Inoue from 1997. So it actually goes back 45-minute time limit. Kyoko Inoue was, at the time, a big baby face in all Japan women's wrestling. She was kind of on the downward end of her push uh, in 1997. She'd had a big run with Minami Toyota. She'd been tag team champions with Takoku in a way. But it's another example of how they are trying to get Maker Satomura over. She's clearly going places. They're bringing big names in for her to wrestle and to develop with her. And there's just, I've got this match running as well. And I've just seen Maker Satomura drop a Fujiwari armbar from the To the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember watching. She's tapping already and she can't. <laughs> it's outside the ring. You can't do that. Oh, yeah, just... it's like, I remember watching this one and just having to stop a couple of times and just thinking, how does anyone survive that? Satomura in 97 was just so intense and just so... Just to, just to watch her wrestle is just a, a poetry emotion, you know. She's, the, the building of her something brick, not long after this, she becomes the lead trainer in the dojo. She's throwing kicks in and she's just screaming all the time. She's never not making noise. You know, we see Mako today as being absolutely crisp and perfect. She isn't back then, but she hits so much harder. You know, these days she kind of pulls the punches. It's a bit more about entertainment. She smiles with each strike. But back then, she was after hitting people hard. That's all she did. The other go forward. You know, she's just stunning to watch. Anyway, he gets her with the, the 
bridging suplex there. But yeah, just the strikes and the intensity of watching her, you know, and she's everything matters so much to her. It's Gaiarism in like personified. Yeah. The exact philosophy that she teaches, she follows. Yes. How to present, I think she says it in the Guy Girls film, I want to present professional wrestling in the best way. And she strives to do that. You can, tend, you can sense, even in uh, a matches like this, where she's maybe not the main event, but she's stressing that she's trying to present professional wrestling in absolutely the best way possible. And it looks like every time she gets, somebody gets a rope break on a submission, she looks like she's the most disappointed human being in the world. And now she has to start again. <laughs> oh, she and, just looks like she's ready to kill someone. Yeah, she's just so so on top of everything. She's just so crisp. And she, you know, like telling a story in a wrestling ring and trying to make it look like a real sport. There's very few people in the world who do that. Mako Satomura is one of the best people of making it look so realistic and so pure as because we know it is a scripted event. Okay. It is a predetermined thing that we are watching, but I defy you to watch Mako Satomura and think that in this time period, everything is so deathly important to what she does. And she treats everything with respect the way it should be treated. And that what makes her so watchable. And also watching herself as well. In a way, just blasted her with a lariat and she nearly turned herself inside out and landed on her head. She was willing to sell as well. You know, it's not just like hitting people hard. It's about the whole package, isn't it? Yeah. Plus the finish to this match just, oh, looks like it hurts. I just go to the finish. Like, I can't remember what happens with this finish. Oh, yeah. Drop in Death Valley drivers, like I said, like trying nails in a coffin. Thunk, and thunk, she, gets, she gets thrown about like nobody's business and then oh, it's the FMW bomb comes back. Ooh. Yeah, it was the Thunder Fire power bomb from, Kyo- from uh, Kyoko in a way, wasn't it, in the end? Yeah. I just Take. hate calling it the FMW bomb at this point. <laughs> it was, I believe, it was invented in the old Japan dojo between Jujinjiro Tenaru and um, Atsushi Anita. And then Anita renamed it the Thunder Fire Power Bomb, which was, of course, the finisher of um, Atsushi Anita and Combat Toyota. It's a great move, and Mako sells it like death. In a way, does it with a sit-out as well. There's that high-angle powerbomb. Right, should we move on? The next match has my favourite spot out of anything I've seen, if it's the one I'm thinking it is, which it is. Okay, so we start a video. Arja Kong sat down the front. Now, we talked about Arcee on a few weeks ago on the Troopany show, um, and Arja Kong was then the lead booker of Arceon. She'd left all Japan women and she's out of makeup and she sat down in the front row just trying to watch a wrestling match. That's all she did. She came to watch the wrestling, John. And then all of a sudden, Chigasaw Nagayo is challenging her to a match. She's not on, is it? Apparently not, considering how things go here. So, after showing a training montage, because you can't have a guy match without a decent training montage, Aja Kong turns up, game face. Not with her usual two trash cans. No. 
This is a special occasion. There's about I 20 of them. She's found five trash cans. <laughs> if she just starts throwing them into the audience, that's the bit that kills me, because there's people getting hit in the head with trash cans. <laughs> They're just loving it. Yeah, of course they are. I'm, this wasn't going to last long, was it? Let's be honest. These two hitting each other with this high stakes? No. <laughs> no, things got very violent very fast. Yeah, because you have got like two of the biggest draws in Joshi history. You've got Aja Kong, who was then the lead draw for Arceon, which was the kind of the precursor to stardom that we have these days. Nagaya was the, the lead uh, star for Gaia, obviously. And then they shake hands, and they, it's on. <laughs> That's all you can say. And they're after it. And then they go like the clappers. Aja Kong cracks out of this spinning back fist to start with. That's her first move. Then she kicks her trash cans into the audience. And then she's after it. And batters people with stuff. It just, oh, it's just breathless. This is Kurokan Hall, by the way, 1997. This is just a, a great professional wrestling match. It's a spectacle you have to see. Oh my god, I just went back and watched a bit and that can just crumbled on the guy who was head. Because oh. I went back to look at um, Nagayo's helmet because it's one of the coolest looking things I'd seen and then just cracked in the head with a trash can. Oh, Chigasaw Nagayo knows how to make an entrance for herself. And then she straight sways into a Fujiwara armor bar as soon as Aja gives her an arm. It, this was kind of like Aja at her best, actually. She was wrestling in Arceon. She was training with Battle Arts and uh, Pancras guys all day. You know, they were doing proper shoot training. Um, which is kind of the wrestling she really enjoys the best. And obviously Chigasaw Nagayo was one of the people who really kind of popularized shoot-style wrestling in women's wrestling in Japan. Obviously, Lioness Asuka, Crush Girls, they were all business, high speed, no drag. You know, um, they were turn up in arena swimsuits and wrestling shoes and maybe some kick pads if they felt like it, and they just flat-out beat you. That's all they were there for. There's a bit like watching the Horseman, um, Tully Blanchard and Anderson in the 80s are kind of very much in that kind of stoic mold, but they were baby faces, not heels. And Nagayo and Asuka were very much influenced by um, Akira Maeda and Nobuhiki Takada and that shoot style. So obviously when Aja Kong comes along, who's, much, who's very similar kind of wrestling style, actually, she's just bigger and she kicks harder, but she's just as fast and she's 50 pounds heavier than Chigasaw Nagayo, this is a brilliant matchup from that point of view. What do you think of the actual match itself, John? I loved it. It was all cylinders got, you know what I mean, some semblance of that, those words in that order. It was firing in all cylinders. See, I'm still yeah, watching yeah. clips of it, so I'm tongue-tied. Yeah, it's just, it's just so good. It's just so breathlessly good. They're just hitting each other so hard. And then and... you've got Aja nearly passing out you've got all sorts of just violent striking that you probably won't get to do in most promotions i wouldn't let you <laughs> this is snug <laughs> like the backdrop drivers are just like people crumpling it just like it's like watching paste, french pastry come out of the oven <laughs> <laughs> It's like the only way you can hit this hard these days is with a plasma death bat. 
<laughs> yeah, this is which just... ironically I saw Roger Kong in a death match not so long back. Ah, there you go. Yeah, and she's got such a big smile on her face when she's beating up the guy. <laughs> but yeah, she looks I... like a super villain. She is. That's what she was though. I mean, she was a baby face in Arcee, and that's the reason why she wasn't all grumpy when she came out to face Nagayo in in that uh, opening exchange. Um, she wouldn't be a heel until she started wrestling Mika Satamura on a regular basis. Because she was, and she's not, Aj is not really a heel. She's just really mean. <laughs> There's a bit of a difference. So yeah, it, this this was this was stunning. This was so good. Should we move on to the next match? Are we giving that enough platitudes? Because I don't think we could say any more good things about it. Just go watch it. It's it's 15 minutes and it's bloody amazing. Just go watch it. <laughs> next up, whoa, proper wrestling. Sonoki Kato and Mako Satomura versus Mayumi Ozaki and Aja Kong. This is the young girls versus the veterans. This is just before... Mayumi Yuzaki, well, actually, I think she may have founded Oz Academy by this point. In fact, I think she has founded Oz Academy by this point. This was the period of time where, um, yeah, Ozaki was the lead heel for the organization. She'd founded Oz Academy. She'd got her faction together. And Aja Kong was someone she brought into Oz Academy. Uh, by this point, Aja had left Arceon, having fallen out with Rossi Yagawa. He was the current boss of Stardom, like we said. And they were after making stars in Gaia. And the two stars that needed making the most were Sonoki Kato and Mako Satomura. And if you look at Oz Academy these days, some 21 years later, the big feuds are still Sonoki Kato versus Mayumi Ozaki, even 21 years later, um, with a bit of Aja Kong on the side. And occasionally Mako Satomura turns up too. So these feuds, this match and these feuds are still going some 20 years later. What's your thoughts on this match? Because this is possibly the best match on this particular channel, I think. This? Yeah, this was wrestling. <laughs> like, you hear that stupid chant all the time, but that's literally all I could think as I watched this. was like, this is wrestling. This is damn good wrestling. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, because... You know, it's it's Mako Satomura and Sonoki Kato, so we know what they're about. We've, if you've watched these matches... They are young, fast, hard-hitting, in-your-face professional wrestlers. At this point, 99, they're, what, 20 years old, maybe? 19 years old? And they're going up against Aja Kong. The Aja Kong. Mayumi Ozaki, the baddest of all badasses in heeldom in Japanese professional wrestling. You know, she was announced at uh, Joshi Mania. She owns a wrestling school where she teaches all the dirty tricks in every book. <laughs> I mean, um, now she's just ragging Satomura by the hair. He's oh, just and there's Ozaki getting in it as well. Yep. And it's just trash talk. That's all it is. It's not even interference wrestling. This is a straight up wrestling match to prove who's the best tag team. Now, Satomura and Kato had been the AJW Junior Tag Team Champions and they went on to win the AAAW Tag Team Championships. They were the big tag team champions. So this was, I think, probably would have been a number one contenders match. Um, I think also at this point, Kong may well have been either a number one contender or the AAAW singles championship. And it's just proper tag wrestling. Kato and Satomura just laying in kicks and double teams every opportunity they get. And Kong and Ozaki showing their power and showing their veteran wiles. What's your thought? just taking both of them out and Ozaki's just being a 
being a dick. <laughs> what she does better than anybody else in professional wrestling. The fact, oh. that, the fact that Oz Academy as a wrestling promotion exists. And like, you know, the regular army in New Japan, obviously, is Tanahashi and Ibushi and all those guys. And the regular army in all Japan is, you know, the, the non-faction people. The regular army in Oz Academy are the heels because they're the hometown team. You go wrestling their playground. Breaking the rules is expected. It's a whole different brain concept. <laughs> How have I never watched Oz Academy? Oh, Oz Academy, honestly, is your perfect wrestling promotion. It's violent. It's long storyline investment. There was a match. Uh, I can't remember. There was a hair versus hair match. It may have been Kato versus Ozaki about 2013. And it was a 15-year storyline. <laughs> yes, you 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 mentioned this last time we did Gaia actually. Yeah, this was matches like this like set up stories in in Oz Academy some 20 years later. It's insane. It's just nice to see that like storylines can have that level of longevity. Now we should talk about the result in this one because this was really important. The end of this match comes to an end and there's a massive climax of near fall finishes. Um and you know, we've talked in this show before about how near fall finishes don't always work because you can overdo it. But the final series really goes down between Satamura and Kong. And Satamura and Kong have this incredible back and forth, and Kato and Ozaki keep each other out of the way whilst they're having this back and forth. But the key thing is, as Kato's holding Ozaki back and Satamura is laying in Death Valley drivers like there is no tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it's landed on a head. Yeah, it builds tension Sorry. after tension after tension. Kato accidentally nicks, uh, kicks Atamura and Kong back on top. And it's back and forth and back and forth. But eventually, eventually, Satamora manages to land a Pele kick and she manages to land the Death Valley driver. And it's Aju Kong who gets pinned. Um, there's two Death Valley drivers in a row, actually. Yes, it's Aja Kong who gets pinned, and of course, Satamora wins the match. And that really establishes her with that clean pinfall. Not only are Kato and Satamora the best tag team in Gaia again, but also it means that Satamora has a clear shot at being a heavyweight draw and the major force in the company. Goddamn history in the making. Definitely was. And as if by magic, we can skip forward. Oh, hang on. I must have missed one. Hang on a second. Where am I? Uh, that was 1999. The next match up. 2000. Yes, should be 2000 as we go into this particular one. And it's Nako Satamura versus Aja Kong for the AAAAW Heavyweight Championship in an absolutely brutal match. This was Satamura's first crack at the Heavyweight Championship. And her story with Aja Kong really becomes the story of Gaia for the next three years as Satamura pins her in the tag match. So she has a shot lined up whenever Kong takes the title. Kong takes the title. She has the shot. And this is the match that results from that. But it's a much longer, more involved story that takes a lot longer to resolve. But this was her first sing crack at singles goal. And she looks every inch the main eventer since we saw her debut five years before. What do you think of this match, John? Sorry, I should have. 
I was just watching some of the clips again and trying not to wince. This this is how you do a title match, I feel. Yeah. It, it doesn't drag. It doesn't slow down at any point, and it's just two people, one really eager to defend their title, the other really eager to take that title away, and they just try to kill each other. <laughs> it's I don't really think you can get better than that a lot of the time it's just desperation violence and the willingness to prove yourself and then yeah getting smacked about a bunch there is like there is um like there's that many ribbons thrown into the ring but like there's three wrestlers clearing the ring Mako's got kind of like a trademark short back and sides for this period. She's all business. She'd grown her hair out and started to frizz her hair, and it just looked wrong. <laughs> and now she's gone back to that short bob haircut. She's got her, she's got it slightly dyed red, flames on her, on her, on her outfit, and Aja is in the classic Aja Kong look. And she's slimmed down at this point as well. She'd lost weight from her AJW heyday. Kind of to keep up with these young charges, I think, to be honest. Because by this point, she was 14 years into a career. You know, she's she's been at this for a while. So, but again, it, and it starts off like a shoot fight with kicks and back and forth. And it goes on for, I can't remember how many minutes this is. Is it 20 minutes, this one? Uh, 17. 17. But it's, a, it's so crisp and so well put together. And such a, such a well-told story. It's the ideal kind of wrestling match in a main event that you want to certainly kind of like give the idea that, um, you know, Satamora is main event worthy. She is the woman you should get behind to be the ace of this company. Well, she gives Aja Kong hell. She does. Like, it takes Aja the full 17 minutes to put it down. (laughs) (laughs) We should tell you the results as when I first watched this match, I nearly missed the finish because it happens and then the video instantly ends. I'm just like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> we will tell you the result of this one because it's part of that Satamura story. Satamura doesn't take the title, but we have to watch the next match to find out what happens next because in the next match, she wrestles Akira Hokuto in a number one contenders match in what I consider to be Satamura's greatest wrestling match. Akira Hokuto at her absolute supreme greatness, you know, and she's in a giving mood, and she gives Satamora everything. This is how you build a legend. This is how you make a wrestler. This is an abject story in how one of the greatest professional wrestlers who ever lived makes a younger wrestler into a superstar in 20 minutes. This is just ungodly. This is how wrestling should be. Every wrestler should watch this match to see how the job is done in my personal opinion. And this is exactly what you need to be able to propel Satamura, not only to the main event, but to a long championship reign where she establishes herself as the ace of the company. What's your thoughts on this one? See, some people would call you hyperbolic for that, but I genuinely do agree with you here. This was a star-making match, if I ever did see one. Hokuto may be one of the most terrifying people I've ever watched fight. And I watch death matches most of the time. <laughs> I Sorry to interrupt, but I wrote uh, a story. Recently there was a story on uh, Steel Chair Magazine website from all the writers saying who would they want to see in the WWE Hall of Fame. 
and my nomination was Akira Hokuto, and my final sentence was, she stared death in the face and death went first. That that yeah, that's that sounds about right to be honest. <laughs> but sorry, carry on, I didn't didn't mean to interrupt. It's like she is just pure intimidation in like a human form. <laughs> it is, I love the sort of tense handshake bit where it's like, oh, is she going to accept it? Is she going to accept it? Yes, they've both shaken hands and yep, they've both just slapped each other. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's playing nice here. And yep, shoot fighting begins. It's haymakers just left, right and centre. And it starts with a Death Valley driver. The first actual wrestling move is Satamora's finisher. <laughs> yeah, Hokuto just... It's like, I'm going to beat you with your own moves because she goes straight for an armbar afterwards. Yeah, it's just, I'm just the strikes, the intensity of the strikes. They're just so hard, just so stiff. Well, at one point, um, Satomura gets launched into the barrier and she's basically fighting with one arm for the next 10 minutes. It's, it's just mental. Just this match is just so good. Ah. Uh... Ah, uh, it just. You have to see this wrestling match. If you're a wrestling fan of any description, you need to see this wrestling match. Hokuto's open hand slaps are just terrifying. You know, it's just... Oh, it's just so good. It looks like you're being hit by frying pans the way they go down. And just the way she picks somebody up with such purpose, she just yanks them by the arm socket. Here, I want you. There, now, go. Yeah. And, oh... Just, I almost want to see you do a Rainmaker slap now. It just looks like the greatest thing that would ever happen. <laughs> uh, just absolutely an astounding professional wrestling match. I mean, Hokuto was capable of so much. She's been one of the best matches I've ever seen. You know, the match with Shinobi Kandori at Dream Slam 1. The following day, the, like, five or seven days later, tagging with Aja Kong against Kandori and Eagle Saiwai. And, you know, uh, Aja Kong and... Eagle Saiway were along for the ride in that match. They didn't really matter. Two of the biggest names in professional wrestling, and they just didn't matter. They were on the sidelines. That was that's how important that match was. And you know, she she's just on another planet of psychology as a ring general. She's just so crisp and so perfect. She isn't as crisp as say Minami Toyota or even Toshiyu Mada, but it's just the way she does things is so much better than anybody else you see. Her execution is perfect. Her character representation is just perfect. And she's just so good at selling and making everything work. Plus, if you love violence, then she's perfect for you. Yeah, I mean, she's like, Satomura tries to go to the top rope, and she just, Hokuto just yanks her from the top rope by the hair and the leotard, just grabs her and hurls her into the ring. There's nothing pretty in the execution, but that's meant because she's the dangerous queen. You know, it has to be violent. Everything she does, she would take off a jacket with violence if she could. And it also shows up other things about Gaia as well. I mean, Hokuto's kind of her card was played out in AJW. Um, she she kind of played as much political games as she can she could do. If you go back to the Dream Slam series, she was like on top of a the game there. Then in 95, she wins the V-Top tournament at the Egg Dome, which is supposedly her last night in wrestling. She's going to quit after that and then ends up going to Gaia um, and getting people over there, goes to WCW. You know, she very forward-thinking wrestler. She was the first AJW wrestler to get married and still wrestle. 
she was the first AJW wrestler to get divorced and still wrestle. Um, she had a baby, she had time off for a child, and then went back to wrestling, which had never been done before. And then she went to Gaia because she didn't want to retire at 26. And that was the rule in AJW. You had to retire at 26. And when Gaia came along and they said, you can wrestle for as long as you want, she was quite willing to like extend her career for another, probably another six or seven years that she wouldn't have done. But she did it all in Gaia. And WCW as well. So we move on to the next one. Yeah. So we're back to 1996. And we've got LLPW versus Gaia. And you have got Shinobi Kandori. And is she tagging with her, Johnny? Have you got the, the list? Uh, give me a second. Let's run that into our amazing translation machine. Who we got here? We have got Nagayo Yakuza Shigesato versus Shinobi Kamatari and Michiko Omukai. Omukai? Omukai. Yeah, I mean, the, the key thing here is obviously Shigesato Nagayo and Shinobi Kandori. And if there is two more violent and professional wrestlers on this planet, you won't find many. <laughs> um, and it, it's just big hits. It's just striking. It's, it's hitting people really hard with some submissions in between. And the youngsters do a good job, don't get me wrong, but they're kind of along for the ride in this. There, there is no reason for them two to wrestle each other. <laughs> well, the video itself only lasts three minutes. Yeah, it's a very quick shot. It's highlights of this particular matchup and kind oh. of set up a rivalry between Kandori and uh, Nagayo. Right into a, right into a sharpshooter. Yep. Yeah. Ah, somebody pointed that out today. There was a gif of Chigas on the Gallo on tour in Stampede doing the sharpshooter one before Bret Hart. But does she do it better? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good, we're in agreement there. Then. <laughs> to be fair, Bret Hart was taught the sharpshooter by Conan, of all people, when he was Max Moon in the WWE. He was, he was looking for a submission, an interesting, visually interesting submission. It's like, your dad is like the greatest submission wrestler ever, and you're going to get your advice off Conan. <laughs> okay. Different strokes. Indeed. No. Uh... Well, this match is a bit of a corker, to be honest. It's all right. I like this. Kind of sets up the big match into that into 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 company rivalries, and I suppose really LLPW and Gaia were kind of very close. They were both very shoot orientated, less entertainment, less storylines, more big matches kind of company. You certainly get that feel. Yeah, I think that's really kind of like what kind of like put them together as a as a kind of uh, driving force. Shall we move on to the next one? Yeah. Okay, then. So, the first person we mentioned on the... Sorry, pulled my head... <laughs> I saw my headphone lead and pulled them out by mistake. Apologies for that. The next match. The next match. match. Sorry? I just disconnect That's all right. Okay. Let's go look this name up. The, we talked about Chikayo Nagashima at the beginning of this particular uh, 
podcast because she was in one of the opening matches. And in, by 2002, she was one of the stars of the company and had indeed taken the uh, AAAW Heavyweight Championship. Um, she'd been part of Mayumi Yuzaki. She turned on Chigasa Nagayo's regular army, become part of Oz Academy, and then turned back again. And Aja Kong was the person she defeated for the title in 2002. And Kong was determined to get the title back any way she could. So she brought in a ringer. <laughs> and that ringer was the greatest professional wrestler ever lived, Manami Toyota. And they had an absolutely barnstorming professional wrestling match of the likes of which you will never see ever. And the fact that made it really special was Manami Toyota came in as a heel. She was not a baby face. She has a look on her face when they introduce the belt like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> she has come as a dark avenging angel to kill all your heroes and that was the dark side of Manami Toyota John what did you think of this match well I'm in agreement it was a great match and a rare Toyota as a heel exciting where she excels at it I think yeah she's the greatest professional wrestler ever lived <laughs> and to be fair Manami Toyota as a baby face isn't that much different to Manami Toyota as a heel. <laughs> She's just so much more of a jerk in such a more elegant manner. Definitely. But yes, I mean, Nagashima as well is a classy professional wrestler. Even though she's smaller, she's an amateur, so she has a lot of submission, pound ground and pound game, as you would imagine. And she is very, very popular. She's also incredibly slightly built. Um... You know, from her early days as a pro, where she was still a teenager, I had puppy fat over her. Nagashima is this kind of lean wrestling machine. Um, Toyota, on the other hand, has probably put on 20 pounds since her heyday um, in AJW, but that was the beginning of the weight gain that she had, really to protect herself against the bumps she was taking in these big main event high-risk matches. And she's just carrying her around like she's nothing. Yes. <laughs> Oh, the fact that Nagashima tried a Toyota roll to start off with was cheeky. <laughs> and if you know you're going against someone who's not going to respect you, give it back. I that's suppose, Gaia. Yeah. That's, that, that is the Gaiaism way. Shall we move on to the next two matches? We've got two more matches to talk about before we finish. Uh, from two, Also from 2002 is Sugar Sato, who has her coming of age match against Aja Kong which starts on the ramp, because it's got to start on the ramp. <laughs> I love this, and you can probably understand why. Yes, John, the editor of Death at Steel Chair Wrestling Magazine, will love this match, basically because Arj has given up on the single and double trash cans. She's brought a whole oil drum with her. She ain't mucking about this time. Oh, um, my God. It was so funny to just see if pick up an oil cat, like an oil barrel and throw it into the ring. <laughs> and Sugar Sato, for her part, isn't playing around either. In fact, the referee gets chucked around a bit in this matchup because she tries to make sugar, yeah, yeah. yeah, trying to get sure Sugar Sato's all right. And when Sugar comes to, she starts laying in those spinning back fists, which does not please Arjun much at all because Arjun's finisher is the spinning back fist. But this this is this match was a recipe for broken noses, and they both ended up with their noses broken at the end of this. So there you go. It's just so stiff, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Ridiculously, sir. I think we can get away with not telling the end of that one, though. Plus the chairs, barrels. 
incredibly just, vicious shots. High standards of brawling all around. Yeah, just un- insane. I will need another reference here because we've got Eagle Sideway and an LLPW wrestler who I can't remember the name of. <laughs> right, one sec. Um, also, they are wrestling, as you may imagine, Mako Satamura and Chigasaw Nagayo uh, in the main event of a show. Because this was the way it went back then. And obviously, you're getting rub on your younger wrestlers using your big main event draws from the promotions like Eagle Saiwai and Chigasaw Nagayo to help. You know, the translation them. machine says Eagle Saiwai and Keiko Ayano. Ayano. Ayano, that's the one. And this was a perfectly serviceable match. One interesting thing for me was the veterans sending the rookies in and then refusing to tag in until the veterans, until the rookies were absolutely exhausted, teaching them how to do tag matches properly. Yeah, I respected that. Yes. It was an interesting thing because, funnily enough, we watched uh, a Sendai Girls show from last year. I think it was me and Chelsea uh, watched it and uh, I think Christy as well. Maybe 18 months ago we watched this. And funnily enough... It was uh, Aja come on one side and make us out more on the other side, and they won't let the rookies out until they were exhausted either. So 20 years, five years later, that storyline, that basic premise of the match still stands up and still works to this day. Um, but after that, it was a firecracker match. These four really gelled well together, and this made a superb professional wrestling match. I'm just watching Satomura try to take down... Oh, God. I've just looked at the name as well, and I've forgotten it. You're going to have to spot me here. Um, Eagle Saiwai? Saiwai, that's it. There you go. The, the veteran. <laughs> Just, yeah. Oh, and yeah, the, the vicious rope shots. I forgot about that. Yes, where Mako doesn't quite make her get her head right. So I couldn't tell if they were intentional or not. I think that where she trips and falls across the ring is intentional. I think catching her head on the top rope is definitely not intentional. She does it a few times. Yes. I mean, they, she was very young. She wasn't much out past the debut in this particular yeah, show. Yeah, this is 95. Yeah. and But it, it's just so good. She's probably deathly nervous. It's Kirk and Hall. It's a packed house because they all were. And, yeah, it's just... It, you, the funny thing is, you watch wrestling at Kirk and Hall now, and you watch you wrestle a lot of it, and I do as well, from different promotions because they all wrestle there, because it's Currican Hall. And you don't get crowds this intense, and you don't get crowds this big. I know they've reduced the capacity size a little bit to make it safer. It used to be 2,600 back in the day, and it's about 1,800 now, or maybe just 2,000. But they're absolutely hanging from the rafters, aren't they? Yeah. I recently watched um, the latest sort of BJW title match, which was Ito versus Kobayashi, and even then they weren't as intent the audience wasn't intense as they are here watching two rookies smack each other about i mean you get big the k hall is really good on big nights like best of super juniors nights or the rare occasions the iwgp or the triple crown championship gets defended there but most of the time it's the crowds are great don't get me wrong and they're the most knowledgeable fans in japanese wrestling obviously because they're spoiled for show choice because they get three wrestling shows a day you know, <laughs> if you go to Currican Hall, you'll find a wrestling show you will like. You know, but it, it still doesn't have to seem to have the same intensity as this did back then. And I maybe rose tinted glasses from an old git like me, but it doesn't seem quite right. Do you see what I mean? 
I can certainly see what you mean. And just looking at the crowd, that as I said, no one's looking away, no one's talking, no one's. They're just watching, hanging yeah. on a thread. It is intense professional wrestling crowds. And crowds in Japan are different now. You know, and the crowds from promotion to promotion are different. Like an all Japan crowd is much more vocal than a New Japan crowd. You know, the stereotype of the quiet, polite Japanese crowd, that's really a New Japan crowd. All Japan, Noah, they're intense. Those guys are cromp, stomping and clapping and really showing their emotions, certainly more than this, but more like this old style stuff. It's, I find it very interesting because there is a stereotype of what Japanese crowds are like. But I think it's very much more down to promotion rather than down to uh, just Japanese fans in general. Does that make sense? Yeah, you certainly won't hear quiet deathmatch crowds. No, unless think... they've got glass down the throat. <laughs> I think there's. I think that the fans, the fans that we're getting, the fans that go to certain promotions now are very different sounding to what they did sound like back in the day. But that stereotype of like the quiet wrestling fan really died in the mid 1970s in Japan, in Japanese culture, because you had so many more people to cheer for that were so much more charismatic, like Chigasa Nagaya, which brings us full circle to Gaia. So, what are your final words on this rundown memory line and your adventures in Gaiaism, John? Ouch. Like, I always forget just how hard-hitting wrestling can get sometimes. Like, yes. I, I watch that many different types these days that you don't. I don't get to watch as much sort of Joshy stuff as I'd like to. And when I see matches like this, I'm kind of reminded why it had such a boom and why yeah. it still does continue to be such a massive draw because these women do go out there and they practically kill themselves for each match. Yeah. I think as well, it it is that what Mako says in Gaia Girls, it's to represent professional wrestling in the best way, which we will continue to do here at the Troopany Show, because that is our mission, to present professional wrestling in the best way. I would like to thank my guest for today, Mr. John Dinsdale, for his time and effort, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Where can we find you on your socials? Uh, best bet, just look at my Twitter, John Deathman, the edgiest Twitter handle you will hear, where there's links to the writing, the deathmatch stuff, the other stuff, the stuff stuff. I'm just writing at the moment, interviewing at the moment. We've, we're in lockdown. I've got to keep myself amused somehow. Yes, there is two, there's three stories from me on uh, the uh, Steel Chair Wrestling this week because I've had time to write. Uh, there's a story on Ronda Rousey. There's a story on Aoki Hamada, another AAAW and Gaiarist wrestler. And uh, today I wrote the WWE Seven Days to Fall Apart, which documents the last seven, well, well, from last Thursday to this Thursday in WWE. So essentially from WWE uh, getting the rights to put life shows together again, to the end of the day when they released everybody. So it's it's a it's not really writing, it's just kind of a collation of news and you can take from it what you will. I had fun reporting those releases. <laughs> well thank you very much for today. And yeah, on that note, if there is a wrestler that you promote that you would like us to know about that you think is awesome, please send me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter and at Troopany Show on Twitter and the Troopany Show on Facebook. We will promote them as much as we possibly can because 
pro wrestling needs pro wrestlers and pro wrestling needs fans and fans need to know about pro wrestlers. And there is a lot of cross-pollination with different sites trying to help people out. People like Pro Wrestling Tees, we will try and get as much, well, big cartel and people like that too, we're trying to get as much support for pro wrestlers as we can. I will retweet people, names, follow people. We will try and develop this together because this is not a fun time to be a pro wrestler because there is no pro wrestling. And when you make a living fighting people, whether it's play fights or not, you still have to make a living somehow. And for a lot of those guys that were released from WWE this week, they will have no income again until this is all over. And very seriously, they will need your support. And it's not like giving to charity because they will earn their money for you. Don't get me wrong. However, they will need your support now. Buy a t-shirt, buy an 8x10, get a signature, go talk to them, get their name out there, help professional wrestlers and help professional wrestling. Thank you very much for your time. You can listen today uh, or go read Bar Sponsors in the Empire Magazine. You can go to their website. Oh, sorry, Empire Wrestling Magazine it is, is now. Going through a bit of a revamp. And also go over to powerslam.tv and use our code MULLETWATCH to get a discount on your first month free of charge. Take care. Don't know what we'll be doing next week, but we'll speak to you then. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for that, sir. No problem. It will not stop recording. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv.